well, let me put to you like this. I didn't get to where I am from my successes. I got mm -hmm. to where I am because of my failures. All right, one, two, three, and... All right, so Short Circuit, a little spinoff of the Circuit Podcast at which me, Elijah Shaw, because I'm never around, I'm going to do my own little mini podcast and... I decided that I could, since I'm doing a podcast, I could bring my friends up. And so. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Short Circuit Podcast. This is the podcast that I do because my cohort cohorts at uh, the Circuit Magazine are all off doing stuff on their parts of the world. So I get together and I get to talk to individuals that are interested in me, that are doing work in the executive protection field. Uh, my guest today is Eric Swayze Gifford with Shadow Company. Uh, Eric's an executive protection agent, as well as a, a CQB and firearms instructor. Welcome, Eric, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Good, brother. Good. So, um, you know, you, you're moving around in the industry here. You, you, you know, you, people are mentioning you in a very favorable light. I'm uh, happy to have you on the show here. Uh, and I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, some of your background is focused on uh, mixed martial arts, those, those combatives. And then also you're a firearms instructor. But what I want to do is I want to pull some of those pieces there and talk about the, the crossover with that and your work in executive protection. But before yeah, we get to that, good. yeah, before we get yeah. to that, every episode, we do these three quick fire questions. Uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time mm -hmm. thinking about them. But again, it kind All of right. sets the stage and, um, and we get some interesting answers. So I'd be interested in hearing yours. So the That's first solid. one is, uh, what's the best thing about the industry to you the best thing about the industry for me is that every day is a new challenge every day is a new opportunity sure. um, every day is a chance to grow and continue pushing forward in my craft i get it bro i get it so so now i gotta flip the script a little bit here and say Mm -hmm. you know, I'll ask you, what's one thing in the industry you'd oh, like to sorry. change? <laughs> um, one thing that I would like to change is the mindset. What time, what you mean? The mindset. So a lot of people I've noticed in the industry, there's, you know, levels to this. Some people do it for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Some people do it as a career. Mm -hmm. Some people do it as a calling, you know, um, to me, it's always been a calling. So I don't really care about money as much as I care about being able to work my craft. I get and that. I think that a lot of people just take their training very lax and they forget mm -hmm. about training their mental because mm -hmm. the physical comes, mm -hmm. but the mental is the toughest. Got it. All right. We're going to unpack that later. So let's put a pin in that. And yeah. then the last one, and so it's a little bit off base here, but follow me. So I want you to name one person, past or present, living or dead, that you would like or have liked to provide protective services to. Bob Marley. Bob Marley. All right. See? Okay. We've had, I mean, all over the board, of course, from, you know, the RFKs and the JFKs to, you mm -hmm. know, uh, I mean... I mean, we got Jesus Christ one. So uh, Bob Marley yeah. is, is one. Okay. 
So what, one day I'm going to bring everybody back on the show, man, and we're just going to just do a deep dive into that. But thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's let's get into it here. Um, so first, I like, can you just give me just really briefly, tell me about your history with combatives. Um, I know you spent uh, quite a bit of time in the martial arts world, including doing MMA, correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Um, I started off in Taekwondo at six. Um, by 10, uh, I went to the junior Olympics and won three gold medals for point sparring. Um, then I moved into boxing, um, by, you know, 12 and did that till I was about 14 when wrestling came in. And then after wrestling, I kind of messed around with, uh, some stand up a little bit more mm -hmm. and like Wing Chun and, uh, Kung Fu and, um, then moved into jujitsu. And then I kind of took a break for a little bit and mm -hmm. just not like I went, I, when I say take a break, I went from like six days a week on the mat to like two, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, like then, uh, an opportunity came up and MMA fell in my lap and, uh, my MMA coach was amazing in a lot of ways because he was able to climb into my head and he made, he set a challenge after the first practice that he had with me. And he said, you know, if you come every day for a year, I will make you a monster and I will not charge you. And it was one of those gyms and it was one of those gyms where, you know, you drive by it every day and there's yeah. no sign or anything like that. And you walk in and it's just blood, sweat and tears on the floor. Okay. You know? And so I knew that I was, I was home. Nice. That's a good story. Yeah. And so you, I know you were doing stuff in the clubs and uh, and then you moved into where your career is now eventually, which is in executive protection. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, your time on the mat, you know, the, the discipline that martial arts instills in you, uh, you know, what, what, what pieces did you take from that and move into your executive protection career? That I thrive in chaos. Tell me what you mean. I have, so I have a saying that um, I am the order during the uh, chaos of violent circumstance. Okay. So through all the time on the mat, through all the time, you know, from starting out in clubs at 19 years old, working security and grinding in that way, like I just got to the point where things slow down when they get hectic, Okay, you sure. know, and I'm, and I'm able to like breathe. And it's kind of like, you get to, if you train your mental, you get to a level where it's like that scene out of Sherlock Holmes, where he's like, if I throw it at this angle, right, and then, right. you know, this, and that, that really plays out in your mind. And then at times in the cage, like, you know, things literally slowed down to the point mm -hmm. where it was like, you know, you just saw it coming and you just slipped it and then like mm -hmm. threw an uppercut or leg kick or shot or whatever you know but you were able to play that that chess in your mind sure on the, on the move so so what I, so what i'm getting from what you're saying is is that you took that and you just applied that primarily to problem solving in your mm -hmm. current career is that that's all right so it's not yes. even so much a punch yeah. maybe it is a punch sometimes but it's right. an, an issue coming your way that other people, you know, might just be, you know, paralyzed by inaction, you're able to yes. kind of assess that and then figure out a, the, 
the favorable solution. Am I getting that right? Yes. Yes. Because as most of us know, there's three things that, you know, win in confrontation, speed, uh, aggression and violence of action. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to act like act, right. you know, no, no hesitation, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that comes from learning no hesitation in your mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and training for that. Um, yes, because there's been, so the way that my MMA coach every Monday and Friday were sparring days. Okay. Mm-hmm. We had, we, we always had two a days. Like it didn't matter if you were on a weight cut or in a camp or anything, everybody came okay. for two a days to do mm-hmm. something, you know? And, um, so basically we would start out with five, five minute rounds. Everything was championship fight for mm-hmm. everyone. And every five minutes, you would be you would be in the cage and get a fresh guy, okay. and he would and he would pick based on who was there. And sometimes it was guys who were like, you know, heavyweights. Right. So the mismatch sometimes, was common sometimes. Exactly. Right. And you just had and you had to thrive, mm-hmm. you know. And we were that crew that we would rather get our ass kicked in the gym and show up at you know weigh-ins with black eyes and make the mm-hmm. fight look poetic than you know, mm. not take it serious enough and gas out in the first round. Sure. Sure. You know? And, and, and here's where the crossover makes sense to me because, you know, there's some elements of, of executive protection where for a variety of reasons, they tend to romanticize the job. And a big piece of that yes. is because nothing has happened, you know, maybe with their particular mm. client type and the segment of the marketplace that they're in. And, mm. and, they think that there isn't a physicality part of the job. Uh, you know, and uh, what was it Mike Tyson said that uh, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yep. And, and, yep. And, and my fear is, you know, if people haven't got punched in the mouth, if they don't know how mm-hmm. they're going to respond to that stimuli, to that fight or flight, you know, right. uh, how can we entrust them? How can they, can they you know, you know, their cool Facebook post or their nice website say like, yeah. you know, hey, I could take care of someone else's life. Well, you know, what do you think about that? Right. So I can pretty much read who's who's the guy that's going to handle business and who's the guy that's not going to handle business mm. um, from being in the industry long enough. Gotcha. Um, you know, and it's all based on how far you're willing to take it personally. Like to me, like if I'm being instilled to protect someone's life, mm-hmm. like I take that, like I'm going to take a bullet if necessary, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm good with that. You know what I mean? So, um, my training and my continued training, like continues to allow me to keep that mindset mm-hmm. and, you know, you can do pretty amazing things under pressure that you never thought you could do because your training kicks in. Right. I get yeah. that. Uh, you know, I, I like to use the term controlled aggression. Yes. So, you, you know, you, 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 you have that tiger in the cage and, and mm-hmm. all you got to do is just pop the lock and it comes out. But right. the majority of the time you can keep that internalized mm-hmm. because you don't want to show everyone all the time. And, but, so, but you need that spirit. Yes. So, you know, I'm to the point with my training and confidence and my skill set 
mm-hmm. that I don't, I hardly, it, it messes with my mind when I have to go hands-on mm-hmm. because like, it's just, you know, highly trained versus highly untrained. Right. So if I'm, you know, working a, a client and some, you know, drunk guy who's trying to get, you know, a photo and I'm fencing him off and he's like, Oh, you touch me again. I'll knock you out. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, okay, yeah, right. I got you. Right. You know, just keep moving. Sure. Okay? Sure. And then if they don't listen after that, then you know how to strike to the point where they don't even see it coming, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not, I, I didn't take this job to hurt people. I took this, you know, career to protect people. Mm-hmm. And it's not just protecting the principal. It's also protecting the image, the brand, absolutely, you know, right. so on and so forth. And I think a lot of guys don't understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the temperament of some agents are um, very unnecessarily aggressive mm-hmm. you know de-escalation verbal judo mm-hmm. um you know like i like to play jedi mind tricks like if somebody you know comes at me and they're real argumentative i'll be like oh man those shoes where'd you get those kicks man and they're like right. oh yeah you like those oh yeah man got them on sale down here mm-hmm. you know so to me you know i want everybody to be safe sure like i don't i i don't want to let that snake out of the cage especially if it's firearm Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I try to see what's coming as best as I can before it happens by reading people's behavior. Mm-hmm. And let's let's yeah. let's talk about that for a second, because, you you know, you you brought up the firearm and I know you're a tactical firearms instructor. Mm-hmm. So you're working with students and, you know, and maybe there's a degree of those that are that doing it for for uh, personal protection, but there, there might mm-hmm. be a degree that are just training because they're in this field or have aspirations to be in this field or related field. Right. So there's obviously the proficiency with the firearm, but again, we keep coming back to that same term. The mindset is the important piece, right? And so what are you, what are you telling them or what are you talking to them you know, about in terms of mindset, how they should be thinking about this if they're going to be in a career where they're carrying a firearm? So my mindset when, you know, this comes up is, or my philosophy when this comes up is I want to be better with my hands and, you know, ground game and stuff than Mm -hmm. I do my firearm because my firearm is always my last resort. Mm -hmm. Now I've trained both, you know, for a very long time. So I know that I'm proficient in both of them. But what happens when you can't bring a weapon in sure. and you got and you got no stand up, you got no ground game, you got no cardio and you just don't know those vital areas to end it. Right. You know, like, you know, when I first started, I got passed over a lot because I wasn't big enough. Right. right. So then I had to go hands on with the guy who was like twice my size mm-hmm. and it's very different with a firearm because you're trying to create that distance, right? Sure. So in a hand-to-hand situation against a bigger opponent, I try to get in and I dig into the liver. I dig into the kidney. You know, I break you down and then I just, you know, finish you, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, you have to be able to 
understand that when you do this job, you potentially have to take on any type of threat in any type of way, whether it's verbal, physical, or, you know, in a firefight. So, so what I'm hearing is you're saying that the the firearm is just one tool in an arsenal. Mm -hmm. It's just one tool, you know, and, and maybe an issue is that, 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 that some of us have is that we focus on that as just as the primary, you know, and particularly, when we're talking about executive protection, we're talking about domestically in the United States, that opens mm-hmm. up a world of liability issues if that's, you know, you know, if, if that's your only tool. Exactly. And I mean, I just don't think that, I think that because of uh, the gaining like popularity from the Ryan Reynolds executive protection movie, you know, that mm-hmm. people think that anybody can do this mm-hmm. and it's, it's not in a lot of ways there's it's more of how good are you on your feet how quick can you think how quick can you find an exit how quick can you size up a situation Mm -hmm. before it happens as you see like people coming okay like what's up with these people let me read their behavior real quick okay we're cool or Mm -hmm. all right i better get my client over here you know um but it's just uh it's a lifestyle in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, you have to be willing to grind in every way to try to reach those new, you know, beginnings or, you know, steps in your career. And it comes with a lot of, I can type of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I can do this like, you know, and, but you also have to put yourself in those situations too. Right. You know, and I mean, I'm, I'm from the country and we scrapped a lot as kids, <laughs> okay. you know, and right. so, you know, from a, just like a lot of youngsters you mm-hmm. know, grow up that way. Yeah. And, you know, you learn, I, well, let me put to you like this. I didn't get to where I am from my successes. I got mm-hmm. to where I am because of my failures. Sure. And those because, were the lessons. Yes. And because I accepted those failures before they happened. Mm. you know, Mm. that I would be able to mentally push through and make it better no matter what. And I would never, you know, give up. I'm with that. I like to say the the environment I came from, I'm not fearless. I respect fear. Uh, You know, I, I, I saw the ramifications for actions so much Mm -hmm. that I understood cause and effect at a very early age. And I think that is what throughout my career, I was able to read the room, you know, if this happens, yes. I know why yes. this happens. If this doesn't happen, mm-hmm. I can influence that. And so being able to do that, right. even innately, you know, because it's a survival skill early on, but later you're able to say, okay, this is how I can be more effective to, you know, my team and my client. So I get what you yes. said. Now, exactly. you, you talked about the grind part. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, you know, some of these skills are perishable. And, and mm-hmm. so we, ha- we have to train, we have to stay on top of it. Uh, but the more we advance up that ladder, uh, you know, and, and, and you're working and you're torn, I think, in fact, I think you, you might be on the tour right now. How do you yeah. find time to, to train and to, to continue to stay proficient? So um, my hotel room becomes my dojo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know um, that one. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, especially like if you go to, you know, my uh, Instagram, like, you know, it's like a physical resume Mm. to me. Like, this is 
I'm about this life. So I live this life. Sure. You know, sure. if I have, if I have three hours before a show, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a hundred mag changes to make sure that, you know, they're always on point and mm-hmm. I won't stop until I get them. And even if it has to take like that whole time, mm-hmm. you know, and I get 10 minutes to get ready. Like I want to be, when I step out with mm-hmm. a client, I want to be as sharp as a katana, right. you know, both mentally and physically. So you're, you're, so you're practicing what you preach. I'm listening. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up also watching Bruce Lee movies like over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom used to get so annoyed because every Friday, remember when we were kids, when we go to the video store and, <laughs> you know, mom would be like, oh, it's Dollar Friday night. You can pick out three yeah. movies. It would be like Kung Fu. It would be a Bruce Lee movie and like Bloodsport, you know? <laughs> She's like wonderful, so, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's why I got into martial arts at a very young age, you know, mm-hmm. because like I would, I, I saw that in front of me and I knew that I was meant to do something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And, and because I was at such a young age, I didn't know. And I just wanted to keep going. I loved the self-discipline mm-hmm. that it taught me. Gotcha. You know? And so, and then to your point, to, you, you carried on at ethos and then you just have to figure out how to incorporate that into your daily life, even when you're yeah. working. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. And so, you know, when I get that time in the hotel, when like, you know, and I mean, I've worked with a lot of, a lot of agents over the years and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has their way of decompressing for a little bit before, you know, a show or after mm-hmm. a show, but I literally just start <laughs> doing like push-ups and then put my feet on the chair and roll the chair to my, you know, chest to work mm-hmm. my abs or you know, mag changes or cornering or shadow boxing mm-hmm. sprawls, you know, all that. You know, is that where everything... the is that where the name Swayze came from? The call sign. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Uh, Quick, quick little story. Um, I was about 20 years old and I was working at this nasty, disgusting strip club. <laughs> but I was, it was called, it was called Thoroughbreds in Louisville, Kentucky, my hometown. And um, so I was so hell bent on doing a good job mm-hmm. that when the manager told me that no men are allowed to touch the ladies. Mm-hmm. I would walk by the VIP booth and I would literally like grab dudes who are like adult, adult men like us now, you know, and be like, Hey, don't touch the girls, <laughs> you know? And then the female would be like, you know, Oh my God, like, where are you you're messing up my money? Right. So, so then one night, um, you know, a couple guys like pick me to like, you know, pick a fight with in you mm-hmm. know, club because we're trying to get them out. And, you know, they're like, oh, come on, little boy, let's go outside, I'll whoop your ass, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Keep in mind, they can barely stand or even talk. Sure. And so I'm like, okay, you want to fight? Yeah, let's go outside. You know, I'll, I'll follow you. And so as we're like egressing towards the door, um, they get outside and kind of stumble down the steps. And I'm standing at the top of the steps and I hear everybody like come behind me. I'm just like, bye-bye. <laughs> and, then turn, and then turn around and. Uh, walk back in and right. it's like that was one of the scenes out of roadhouse right right which i, which I also broke that vhs tape when i was a kid too 
<laughs> these these so, were your like your your models early on in life huh, in terms yes, of shaping you. Exactly. I mean, I you know, I didn't have uh you know, my father left early mm-hmm. and uh then my mom remarried and like he was, you know, always working. So mm-hmm. I had to I knew and I had my grandfather uh who, you know, had a big hand in raising me and mm-hmm. I just saw the way that he was as a strong you know, male. Sure. And like, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, posters of like Rambo or, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like mm-hmm. on my wall, I had like Bruce Lee. Yeah. I had, you know, a roadhouse poster. Like mm-hmm. I had like guys that were all around put together. Mm, that you was just saying. Right. Sure. So they weren't yeah. superhuman. They were, they were humans that were at the peak of what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. I get that. Exactly. And I wanted a part of that. Got I wanted it. to figure out how I could get to that level. Got it. Uh, and I got one last question for you before we wrap up. And uh, sure. it's, it's slightly off topic here, but I think it kind of plays into the fact that we've, we've kind of come back a few times to this recurring motif of, of mindset. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, I know you work in the, uh, spend time working in the entertainment sector. Um, like I mentioned, I think you're, you're on a tour right now, mm-hmm. but I seen that you, seems like you work with a, some diverse different types of clients. And let's say if we're talking about entertainment, we're talking about different genres of music. Do mm-hmm. you have, like, what's your, what do you attribute your ability to be able to move back and forth from these different circles to these different genres? Whereas I find that some protectors kind of get stuck. This is the type of protection I do, or this is the type of clients I service, and I can only service this type of client. So what, what gives right. you that versatility? Or, or do you even notice that as a difference? I don't really notice it because to me, it's just, it's a, it's a mental checklist that I go through. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. So like, um, you know, when I was talking about like, I'm, I'm more than willing to take a bullet for my client. Mm-hmm. I don't care who that client is. I don't care about their demographic, their background. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you look to me to protect you, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it in my way, the same way all the time. I'm trying you know, to, to me, uh, there's no SOP, you know, there's no standard operating procedure on, you know, this, like, mm-hmm. so it, it's just, I mean, <laughs> I just love protecting, Got it. you know, well, I love, I love grinding. Mm-hmm. Um, networking and so the more that you network and the more that your your goal mentally should be that every time you step out no matter what type of detail it is Mm -hmm. that you learn something from it and that you get someone to notice how you move yeah you know because you'll you'll never know when you may meet that person again, or they may come up to you at another venue and be like, Hey, weren't you with so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Oh, now you're with them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. You have a, you have a vast variety, man. Like that's awesome. Sure. And I've yeah. been, and, and I've just been very blessed that I also understand mentally that if somebody gives me an opportunity, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything that I can to not make that person look bad. Mm you know, mm-hmm. and to make sure that, you know, I do it just as well for myself, but more so for them because right. they gave me that opportunity. It's a great you know? philosophy. 
Well, Eric, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with us. I think our listeners probably got something out of it. I know I did. And uh, I'd love to have you back on the show one day. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.